blood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard against him. I see the enemy coming in like a flood in our houses, in our churches, in our families. But what I don't see is the standard. People of God, where's the standard at? We're in a war, y'all. It's time to stand up. The Lord gave the word, and great was the company of them that published it. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Welcome to the Know Your Bible radio broadcast that reaches around the world daily with the good news about Jesus Christ our Lord. I am your host, Bishop Fred A. Carwell Sr. Now lend me your ear, and let's go inside of Know Your Bible and hear God's life-changing word. Welcome to Know Your Bible. Today's message, A Victorious Prayer Life. And now here is Bishop Caldwell. The fourth chapter, verses 6 and 7. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 7. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything. Somebody say everything. everything. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. A victorious prayer life. The things that are going on with you, you must take the authority. You have to take the authority. You have to put, I don't believe in putting the devil on notice. Because by then he didn't tore up some more stuff. So wherever you find him, so wherever you find the enemy, you put him under your feet. Don't have him on your shoulders talking to your head. A victorious prayer life. In order to substantiate or to ratify a victorious prayer life. First of all, let's understand what victory is. There are a lot of you that have Nike products with that sickle on the side of that tennis shoe or on that T-shirt. That sickle symbol is what represents Nike. The word Nike means victory. That's what it means. It means victory. The word Nike. There are too many of us that are living defeated lives. Because for some strange reason, it's almost like Jesus is my safety harness, my parachute in case I need 
him to be that for me. Other than that, this is my life. I'm going to run it. I'm going to make all decisions. I'm going to marry who I want to. I don't care if they're Christian or not. I like his hair. We must not allow Jesus to become a second-rate savior. And we must understand that victory means non-defeat. How many of us are defeated in our personal lives? Because we have given our authority away. We've given it to other people. We've given our authority to other things. And the last thing on our list to do is pray. Some people having trouble in their homes, they don't pray. They believe for some strange reason all this is going to roll over. It's not. If you read your Bible, and I know you do, the word tells us to give the devil no place. Don't give him no place. Because he came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I'm come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. A victorious prayer life is governed by love and discipline. Now, when I was in the military, it wasn't that I had the authority to make a decision that I was not going to make revelry. I was going to lie in the bunk. I didn't have the authority to make that decision. My Uncle Sammy made that decision for me. You're going to be up and dressed and in formation out there with the rest of the troops at 530 in the morning. Your bunk would be made. You would have taken your shower. You would have gotten your uniform on. And you're going to be standing outside the barracks on that concrete at 5.30 a.m. It was not a decision to be made by the troops as to whether or not they were going to be present. You were going to be present. And sometimes they were called names. Jones. Here, Sarge. Jackson. Upside. Baker. <laughs> Baker? You're not here, sorry. AWOL. Absent without leave. That's what's going on in church today. Jesus is okay with a lot of folk as long as they tell him what to do. But a lot of folk are not okay with him when he tells us what to do. So a victorious prayer life. Is governed by love for God. Love for yourself. Love for your fellow man. Love for your enemies. Love for yourself. Love for your church. Love for your pastor. Love for your neighbor. Love for your enemy. Discipline means 
I don't need nobody to tell me that I need to be updressed and everything else I have to do in order to be in that formation. Discipline tells me this is the time I need to get my happy self up. This is the time it's going to take for me to shower and get dressed. And it's going to take me the time to get down to that formation. So when my name is called here. So we need to understand that we ought to learn to pray about everything. And to worry about no thing. The reason that so many people that darken the church doors every time the doors are open and you look upon their countenance, look in their face, there is no joy. There is no peace. There is nothing but more and more worry and frustration. So when we talk to God about the smallest concerns that we have. You as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Must not be guilty of having no stress. Sustained stress. At any time. From the day you met Jesus. But we know that's not true. There are some people stressed out about their children. And they in church every chance they get. But they have not learned how not to worry. Do, do, may I ask you a question? May I? I'm talking to you. May I? Well, what in the world makes you think that you can love your children more than God? How, where, where did that come from? You hear your child is a hundred and some odd miles away. Don't you know that they're in the best hands that they are in the hands of God? The word here tells us in this sixth verse to be anxious for nothing, to be stressed out over nothing. Now that's unfathomable to a lot of us because we think we have been anointed to worry about everything. Where the, where the children, they, they late. Where, where, you know, where, where's that income tax check? Where, where did, where's that stimulus money? I barely made it home in that car. I, I wonder if it's going to start when I get up in the morning to get to work. And I got to be there on time. Now, now church, I get there when I can. But work, I'm getting there on time. Be anxious, be stressed out for nothing. Now, a lot of times when you are as cool as a cucumber in a freezer, it gives the impression that you don't care. If you're not screaming and hollering and all stressed out like everybody around you, it gives the appearance that you don't care. That ought to be the right appearance. Because didn't the word say to cast all your care? What, are your, what is your care? Your care is your concern. See, to show confidence in God's ability to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. That's where we step up and pray, cast the care. And now I don't care because I gave it to the Lord. 
we're living in a time now where a lot of people that have been afflicted by disease and certain other things, they have caretakers. Someone who comes in and takes care of mama, shave daddy, and you know, give him exercise in the bed, in the chair, and whatever. Th those people are considered to be caretakers. And we look at our watch because we're paying these people, somebody's paying them to come to the house to be caretakers, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, why do you not think positively toward God that he's never late? And that what you care about, he cares more than you could ever care. And when you give it to the caretaker, he takes care of it. It makes no sense to hire a caretaker and then you do the job while they sit and look at Sanford and Son. When you cast the care, you don't care. Because your trust, your faith, and your confidence is in God's ability to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we could ask, that's petition God for, or think, that's meditate on. We're doing everything other than what we ought to be doing. And what we ought to be doing is praying. So the word tells us to be anxious for nothing. Be stressed out over nothing. Don't let nothing stress you out. Not the kids, not the wife, not the husband, not the house. Nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But it doesn't leave us there because there is something coming behind that. If you take a look at that sixth verse, it says to be anxious for nothing, right? That means no thing. Don't let nothing stress you out. But in everything by prayer. That's why you don't have to be stressed out. Because you're a praying person. And you have invited God into your life to take care of your light work. <laughs> you, you've invited God in here to take care of your light work. Huh? So mama dead. So what? You alive? What's the problem? I've seen some people want to give up on living because certain people died in the family. You got to be thrown off. Now, I don't mean that to be hard or to be harsh. But here you are breathing and eating a bologna sandwich. And you all say it because you ain't dead. Now, think about it. You say it because you didn't die. Which makes you a hypocrite. Now wait a minute. This is getting a little bit deep in here. So let me, let me, let me prove that you're a hypocrite. You say it because you ain't dead. You weeping and wailing. Falling all out of the house. But you go to the funeral. And when the minister says ashes to ashes. Dust to dust. This is where your hypocrisy come in. You didn't jump down there on the couch and say, cover me up! Cover me too! You ain't do that. So you really don't want to die. That's why you keep stopping for them stop signs. You keep stopping for them red lights. 
And you shall get out of the way of them 18-wheelers. You want to live. And God wants you to live and he wants you to cast the whole of your cares on him and he wants you to be happy every day that he gives us. He wants us to rejoice in that day. But you know what happens? Is that we bring what happened to us yesterday over in today. And if we don't get it resolved in our head today, we carry it over to Monday. Jesus says sufficient unto this day is his own evil. You got enough to deal with today than to be dragging yesterday up in here today. Now you think about that. Why are so many people on dialysis? Why are so many people having to have, you know, problems and mental issues after having one year off of being in the house with the folk they say they love But now they done divorced them. They had 45% divorce rate. Starting March last year. Up until this year. They got tired of one another. Same folk they said. To death us do part. They departed. Dearly. A lot of people are anxious. A lot of people are stressed out today. The Lord didn't tell us that stress wouldn't come. But he told us what to do with it when it did. But in everything by prayer. What is prayer? Petitioning God. Asking God. And supplication. What is that? That is what we Think we need for God to do for us now. Supplication. Supply list. I got a list right here, Lord. I need for you to take care of. Take care of my daughter out here in Oklahoma. Take care of my grandchildren. Do this and do that. Give John Boy a job that he'll stay on this time. In the name of Jesus. Because I don't want my daughter back in my house. I done raised her. She need a man with a good paying job. Pray about everything. Worry about not a thing. So what do you need for God to do for you today? And to show you how powerful prayer is, pray without ceasing. Me and Jesus said men ought to always pray and not to faint. So when we talk about supplication, we're talking about primarily a wanting, a need. And you cast your cares upon the Lord and then you leave them there. And somebody say, don't you care? No, I don't care because I prayed. Now I've turned this over to the Lord. I put it in the right hands and I'm not worried about it. Because if Jesus can't fix it, then nobody can. So what does it profit 
for me to lie awake all night long after praying, then I shouldn't have prayed. Because just by the mere fact I'm lying awake all night long, worried about the thing I prayed about before I got in this bed shows that I don't really trust God to do what I ask him to do. So I'm going to have to try to figure out how to make this happen. Bingo. That's where a lot of God's people are getting in trouble because they think they get more sense than God. You don't. And you never will. How can you have more sense uh, than the one who made your mind? We need to learn how to trust God so that we can be happy every day. Why would the psalmist have written this day God has made, I will rejoice and be glad in it. And he didn't say until I got a problem. Now, if you're not happy this morning because somebody ain't acting the way you want them to act or someone did not do what you wanted them to do or your expectations of them have fallen short because of what they did, then when are you going to pray about it? When are you going to be through with it after you cast it on the Lord? It should be today because you got tomorrow to deal with and you don't know what kind of Mickey Mouse joker you're going to be tomorrow. <laughs> so now you're going to put all that stuff tomorrow on what you didn't resolve today. It's stacking up. Now if you bow-legged, let it be in nature. Don't let it be because of your burden. Why is that man walking wobbly? He's carrying his burdens. <laughs> See, people ain't going to love you when you ain't got no burdens. What is a burden? A burden comes about when the light comes on of a situation or concern that you have. Now that you know it, now that you know about it, that's the burden. So what are you going to do with the burden? I'm going to cast it on the Lord. Because I'm enlightened enough to know by what Paul is saying right here. I should not be trying to keep a burden. Now that I know about it. And light is what creates a burden. Light is knowledge and understanding. So now that I know about it. What am I going to do about it? Worry about it? No. Wrong answer. I'm going to pray about it. And I'm going to cast the whole of my cares on the Lord. All right. So, so, so I'm not to be stressed out over nothing. Now you think about that. A life free of stress. A life free of blood pressure going up and down. Blood pressure 198. Mm-mm. And then we get into a place right now where some of us have gotten older and you still eating all that salt and fat back. You ought to have sense now to know that you're not a sweet 23 anymore and certain things you ought not to be trying to gobble down your pie hole. You're going to sit up and eat two pizzas. <laughs> and you wonder. Why do I feel so bad? You ate too much. 
I don't ever eat to the point where I'm uncomfortable Amen. in my body. Amen. Like, ain't it going to be tomorrow? Ain't going to be no nothing. This is my last meal. <laughs> you ain't at the last supper. <laughs> eat till you're comfortable, not till you're gullible. You've eaten now, you can't move. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in everything. That means you're confronted with it. It's face to face with you in everything, everything. When you're happy, when you're glad. When you're not glad, when you're sad. But in everything, by prayer, that's your way through. By prayer and telling God what you need. What, what do you want him to do for you? You remember blind Bartimaeus on the Jericho Road. And Jesus and his homeboys were coming that way. Bartimaeus cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still. Now something about it when the Lord stands still. Something about to break loose. And when Jesus and Bartimaeus, who was blind, came face to face that day, you would think the Lord, please hear this. You would think the Lord looking at Bartimaeus. That's Bartimaeus. Bar means son of. Timaeus. So we still don't know his name. He's the son of Timaeus. It tells us his daddy's name. Like Mary Magdalene. She's from a place called Magdala. But Mary was her name. So when Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, Timaeus means pollution. So when the son of pollution came face to face with the Lord of all glory, guess what Jesus asked that man? Bartimaeus? What would you that I should do for you. Now wait a minute. Didn't the Lord know he was blind? Yeah. Didn't the Lord know. That they needed some food over in that house? Yeah. Well why didn't he just show up with a bag of groceries? Or why in the world didn't he just haul off and heal Bartimaeus? Same reason. Back in the book of Genesis. When the Lord spoke. To Adam. And Eve. And Adam. And Eve disobeyed the Lord. Now here come the Lord in the cool of the day. Adam! Adam? Adam, where are you? Now did, do you think that the Lord didn't know where he was? Did you think that the Lord didn't know what Bartimaeus needed? He was just trying to strain and get his eyelids up and they wasn't coming. But he asked him, what do you need? Just like in this audience today. You've been grumpy for 45 years and you're not but 42 years old. What do you want? What do you want? Ain't no woman good enough for you. And you being a mama overprotective, ain't no woman good enough for your son. 
What you want to do? Keep him? What do you want? And you know, a double-minded person is unstable in all of their ways. And it's a sad thing to say, some people are never pleased. They have designed their mind that way that they cannot be pleased. That's why some people, you can't pinpoint them because they don't know where they are and they don't know what they need. But I guarantee you, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. But in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. He knows what you need. But my God shall supply all of your need. That's supplication. You God's child, so why are you trying to make all these decisions on your own? Nobody told you to do that. It told us to cast our cares upon him. And it tells us why. Because he cares for you. Somebody tell the Lord thank you. But in everything by prayer. Everything by prayer and supplication. Telling God what you need. With thanksgiving is the part that's missing. It is so many of God's people that are not thankful. Not grateful. No gratitude toward God. People are still begging for a loaf of bread for something to eat and they got a loaf of bread upon their arm. Never satisfied. That's why a lot of people never stay at their house. Never stay at home. They're always out there doing something or looking for something. Why in the world would you be working 40 hours a week to pay the mortgage on a house that you ain't never in? Let that soak in for a minute. You got a nice place and you ain't never at home. Always in somebody else's house. Well, they told me to tell you what they scared to tell you. Go home. <laughs> we ought to be thankful if we got a pair of shoes, clothes on our back, something to eat at the house. In everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God. You've been looking for it. It is. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you that you will be a thankful person. And oh yeah, some of y'all need to turn in your certificate void of understanding by trying to be Holy Ghost Junior in everybody else's life. And your life out of control. A lot of people think Thanksgiving is the last day, last Thursday in November of every year. Thanksgiving is every day. When you wake up and you find that you're still in this world and you got your same pajamas you went to sleep in, you ought to thank God for it. And you got some grits and stuff and, and the poke chops in there and you can get up and go make yourself breakfast. And you want to complain because you ain't got no sirloin. Eat the pork chop. Yeah. 
with thanksgiving. Someone does something nice for you, thank you. When's the last time you used those two little words to give to somebody? Some people think that because other people do for them that they ought to do. Don't nobody have to do nothing for you. No one has to even speak to you or acknowledge your presence. But when someone does something for you, you ought to tell them thank you. They use their energy to be a blessing to you. Mm-mm. No. No. We ought to be thankful. Because a lot of our minds are clouded with when things were not right, when people did us wrong, when, when we were not fired properly. <laughs> like it's a proper way to be fired. When we were, we were fired and all this other stuff happened to us. Now we, 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 we think about dark thoughts. We think evil of other people. We think nobody's good enough. And that stuff right there does not lead to a victorious prayer life because what it says is that you're doing all that talking. You say to God, but you don't believe nothing because you haven't changed. See, our prayers, we ought to be the first folks shouting over what we just prayed. <laughs> we, we ought to be the first folk rejoicing because we talk to the Father and told him all about it. But now we walk around like we ain't got no prayer life. Like we ain't got, here we go, I ain't got nobody I can talk to. Oh, God dead. <laughs> Your unbelief can kill somebody else. Mm-mm. Don't get me wrong now. I have not always prayed about everything. I haven't. My mind has been cumbered about with many things for a long time. Until I had to, had to ask myself, what are you doing? I'm worried about this. For what? Don't you know you have a heavenly father that knows more about you than you know about yourself and loves you with all of your faults and shortcomings and has left the door open for you to come and talk to him anytime you want to. There's somebody here that's trying to move your life around and put it in a category of something that doesn't even concern you. And, and I guarantee you that will rip your joy straight out of your feet every time. People's lives are their own. Their own. And, but I, I, I'm not saying that we ought to be a bunch of reckless people doing whatever we feel like we need to do. But when you start trying to move people around with what you think and make them do, I'm talking about grown people. Now, if it's a child whip their butt, you can make them think what you want them to think. But when you're dealing with an adult, you have to realize that their life is their own. You can pray about it, you leave it in the hands of the Lord. And who knows whether or not 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, ring. Well, we don't have uh, 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 phones like that anymore. 
we done cut the land line. It's all now on the cell phone. Then we keep burning the battery up. But if you have adult children that are out of the will of God, that you know with your limited ability, you tried to raise them and raise them right. And when they got on their own, they went contrary. Don't let that put you in the grave. I need to say that again. I felt that one. Don't you let them children put you in the grave. Now, when you've done what you can do, and none of us are perfect parents. I don't care how much you talk to your children and how much you want for them or want it for them and all this. They, while you were talking to them, there was a thing growing inside of them called their mind. So what do you do? You cast them on the Lord with the rest of this stuff. And don't you let their lifestyle cause you embarrassment. You're not doing it. They doing it. Now I know that's, that's tough talk in days like these. These are tough times. So don't put yourself in the grave behind what your children out there doing. If they have left your house, their life is in their hands. All right, moving right along. So, in this seventh verse, we have and, the grace and the peace of God, is what it says. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding. Stop right there. You'll be so cool until you be trying to figure out, why am I so cool? How come I'm not just swallowing Tylenol 3 like I swallow water? Why am I so cool? Because you believe in the God that you prayed to and gave the situation to that is in his hands now. And if the Lord doesn't give you no direction or nothing to say to your child or nothing to say, then you have nothing to say. But it's one thing you must be guilty of as a parent. Even if you don't like... <coughs> The compromising lifestyle of your kid. <coughs> See the devil trying to choke me up up here. You must be guilty of loving them. You must be guilty of loving them. And once they know that you are not pleased with the life they are living. You need to be the first one to step up and say. I didn't raise you that way. And the Lord is not pleased with that. That means you've done your part. Love is an overriding factor for all the confusion. In that seventh verse, the peace of God. Now it's the peace of God. And then there's peace with God that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. Then there is uh, peace with God. So we have peace with God, peace from God, and peace of God. When I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, 
I was blessed with peace from God. Because I no longer fear hell. I'm not going there. That's when I accepted Jesus. I got peace from God. Then, when I pray and have access to God, I have, I have peace with God through my relationship with Jesus Christ. I have peace of God because I prayed. And I'm at peace. And that's why people say, you don't care. Yeah, I care. I'm not prayed. So what you want me to do? Stress out? You want me to stroke out? You want me to fall out? You don't like me. You're trying to kill me. So what do you think I need to do? I don't care. I don't care. If, 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 if you want to walk on your ears, you my child, then you better learn how to your walk. Because I'm not going to be able to catch you. And pe when people realize that all sin is against God, then maybe that'll wake somebody up. So in the peace of God which passes all understanding, say after I pray. So the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds. That's a group of people collectively, the church. Because we ain't got no hearts. We got one heart. So when it said shall keep your hearts, Paul is talking to a collective group of people at Philippi. And we've got one mind. Well, now minds with some people may be double plural. <laughs> They're all over the place what they think. But it's basically talking to a group of people. Shall keep your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. Now when you uh, 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 got that peace then nothing can take your peace. And see, that's what the devil is after. That's why these trials keep coming to us because he's trying to take our peace. Amen. He's trying to steal that peace. And, and, and you know, it must be important to the Lord because one of the first things that Jesus said as it relates to him leaving his disciples, he said, my peace I'm going to give to you. Because he knew in a world filled with turmoil like this, and enemies all around you, and, 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 and all the rest of this stuff, he said, you're going to need peace. And even if your doctor is out on vacation, you don't need to try to catch up with him. Just talk to me. Talk to me. And the peace I give you going to surpass all that you thought, all that you desired, all that you hoped for, I got some peace for you. Yeah, I got some peace for you. Now, some people have gotten real cute in days like these. They pray into Jesus. And I, I have a complexing thought that I want to bring you in on. Because go to John's Gospel, the 16th chapter, and we're talking about a victorious prayer life. In order to experience that for each one of us, we got to do it. In order to have a victorious prayer life, you have to pray. And while you're praying, you have to believe that what you are saying, 
that God is going to do it for you. We must pray and believe at the same time. So I'm not in that group of people that will try to teach you that God doesn't answer prayer. He answers every one of them. Now, if you're praying for something that's not according to his will, you still get an answer. No! <laughs> if you're praying something according to his will, yes! For every promise of God in Christ Jesus is yes and amen. So I'm not wasting time praying. I'm saving time. And I'm saving myself from all this stress. Where did I tell you go? Look at the 23rd verse. John 16, 23. Jesus is speaking. And in that day you shall ask me nothing. That word ask is petition. In that day, that's this day that we're living in now. These are the last and evil days. And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, that's of a truth. I say unto you, whatever you shall ask, A, ask, S, seek, K, knock. That makes up the word ask. A petition. Whatever you shall ask the Father, there it is right there. You don't pray to Jesus. You ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. He will give it you. He will give it you. Hitherto or up to this time have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive. That your joy, wait a minute. That your joy may be full. Now why are you not happy and you came up in here and you done prayed since you've been in here. But you got the same stigma, same problem lingering around in your head. You didn't believe what you prayed for? If you did, show me your joy. Oh, I know, I know. You got a mask on. Uh, <laughs> let me see how to deal with this. All right. If you are born again, you have the gift of the spirit. And there are nine gifts, nine fruit of the spirit. I didn't say fruits. I said fruit. Have you ever eaten um, pomegranate? When you open it up, you got all kinds of seeds all up in there, right? That's the way the Holy Spirit is. One Holy Spirit. One gift of the Spirit. But they come in nine different categories. So it's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace. Wait a minute. I got love. <gasps> I got joy. I have peace. I have long suffering. I have gentleness. Oh, I got meekness. I got faith. I got temperance. I can put up with you. It may be painful. <laughs> but he's a healer. So joy is a state of being. I, my, my soul rests in the joy of the Lord. Because that's my strength. 
So I have joy. But watch this. I have to use my mind to think right thoughts. Because Paul says, I think myself happy. So I have the power within me to think the right thoughts. Let me tell you something. Once your mind starts playing tricks on you, and you thinking evil of other people. Everything you think is evil. Because you think you got all the sense. The devil will play on your mind. And that's where he robs us of our peace. When your mind is trouble. Then you are trouble. The wicked. The prophet Isaiah or Jeremiah says. Are like a troubled sea. When they cannot rest. How well did you rest last night? Some people spend $2,000 on a mattress. And still don't rest. That ain't the rest you need. The rest you need. Should. Generate from the inside out. When we are at peace with God. Because we got peace from God. And we got peace with God. We ought to be at peace. It's a victorious prayer life that brings you to that place of peace. Anything less than that, you're going to worry all the time. Some of our children are small now. Our kids are grown and gone. Hallelujah. <laughs> no, I love, you know, I love, we love our kids. But. Like Marilyn Burnham said a long time ago, bless them somewhere else. <laughs> have you ever noticed how your kids act if they have a place now and you visit them? Oh no, don't no, don't don't sit on that. And they done wore your furniture out five times. That's them. And now, let me see if I can help somebody in here. You don't know your children. You've been living in a fantasy world. You don't know them kids. They've gotten grown. They've had sex. They've got uh, other interests now. You remember them when they were small. Come here. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. You can call them now and say, come here. I, I don't have time, mama. I, I just can't make it over there this week. You don't know them children. Quit, quit playing with your brain. You don't know them. And as soon as they get out on their own, they're going to show you. Because Jesus put it like this. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. And that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's why we need to pray. And not just on Sunday. And just on Wednesday. Men ought to always pray. Always. The prayer of supplication. That's what you need from God. The prayer of consecration. That's when you don't know what you do. Whether or not you need to relocate your family or switch this job or do whatever, then that's one of those prayers, Lord, not my will, your will. Amen. 
Then there's intercessory prayer. That's the Holy Ghost inside of you praying for the saints according to the will of God because God has no authority in this earth realm. That's why he gave it to us. So the stuff you've been putting up with is all because you didn't pray. And see, when you pray, you release the power of God into a situation. That's what authorizes him to jump on the devil for you. But as long as you got a stiff open lip and like you can take it and all this, you don't have to take none of that stuff. You ain't built to take all that stuff. You're not built to be moaning and groaning and all that. So Jesus said, listen, don't pray to me. Pray to my father. In another place, it says he hears in secret, but he rewards you openly. That's the kind of God we serve. And I tell you something else good about God. Everything good about God. But one other thing, he won't condemn you. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Now, does that mean that we are loose and free to do whatever? No. That should, that, that, if you're born again, you're going to have some kind of restraint. So we're not to pray to Jesus with your cute self. Jesus! The question is, who are you talking to? Because he said, don't, don't petition me. Don't ask me nothing. Now let me show you where my complexity of thought comes in. Acts chapter 7. You know, I be, I be thinking, I be, because God can handle what's on your mind if, if what's on your mind is good and acceptable to him. So you don't have to be trying to protect him. Just bring it. So you can be corrected uh, so that, you know, you can, so the thought can be certified. But you don't have to be afraid to talk to God. If you're wrong, he'll let you know. But he ain't going to throw you in the air. Especially when you're having it. <laughs> now this was the first martyr in the early church. This was Stephen. In Acts chapter 7, those last two verses, 59 and 60. You have to read this chapter sometime because Stephen got on them people's case. And they stoned Stephen. All right. In Acts chapter 7, if you look at verse 59 and 60, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus. Today's message, A Victorious Prayer Life, FC3066. FC3066 is now available on CD for only $10, and it may be purchased by calling Know Your Bible at 318-938-1885, or you can mail any request to the Know Your Bible radio broadcast, 7480 Greenwood Road, Shreveport, Louisiana, 71119, or email us, greenwoodacres at comcast.net. Know Your Bible Radio Broadcast is now available as a podcast. 
You can listen to Know Your Bible through Apple Podcast, Google Play Music, and Spotify. Simply search for Know Your Bible or Bishop Caldwell in either app. Tap the subscribe button and Know Your Bible will come to you automatically each time an episode is posted. Enjoy! Now the question is... There is power, power, wonder-working power in the blood of Jesus. The power in the blood of Jesus on the cross at Calvary is God's resolution to the redemption of every lost sinner forever. Today is the day of salvation and now is the acceptable time because tomorrow is not promised. So believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in your house. For whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. Jesus said, come. The Father says, come. The Holy Spirit says, come. And I say, come. You need to come now. Now the question is, I was the chiefest of sinners, Paul says, and so say I. I called upon Jesus over 46 years ago, and he answered me, came into my heart, and brought with him the gift of eternal life. And he'll do the same for you if you call. Say these words to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I believe you are Lord. Come into my heart. I believe that God raised you from the dead. I accept you now, Lord, as my personal Lord and Savior. If you say those words, and if you mean those words, they are recorded in the 10th chapter of the book of Romans, verse 9 through 13. Welcome to the household of faith. Much, much love to you. Now the questions up. Hello, this is Bishop Carwell, and this is the Know Your Bible radio broadcast. The world needs Jesus now more than ever before, and you can help us to reach the world for Jesus Christ. I ask for you to pray for what the Lord will have you to do as it relates to financial support toward Know Your Bible. And then send your gifts of love to Know Your Bible, 7480 Greenwood Road, Shreveport, Louisiana, 71119. That's the Know Your Bible radio broadcast, 7480 Greenwood Road, Shreveport, Louisiana, 71119. We also welcome your prayer requests and your praise reports. So until we meet again right here on Know Your Bible, you pray for me and I'll be praying for you. And guess what? We'll all be prayed for. Much, much love to you. Now I see.